You're listening to the YCA Podcast. This is a podcast created for coaches by the coaches. The Young Coaches Association is proud to present exclusive content from coaches, young and old, all across the state of South Carolina. The YCA Podcast was created to provide a platform where coaches can share their own thoughts and insights to others with the hopes of building a brand and growing the profession. In more simple terms, these are ball coaches just sitting around talking ball. Thanks for listening to the YCA Podcast. We hope you enjoy. All right, this is episode, what episode are we on, Coach Fields? This is 16, 16. right? Yeah. So, welcome to episode 16. We have our permit now. Or yeah. is that license at 16? Uh, I think, I think it's, it's license. license. Yeah, yeah, we got a permit at 15, yeah. Anyway, so, this is episode 16. We are still in our positional series. We are talking tight ends, H-backs today. So, a little bit different. Um, got two really good guests we've got coming on Uh the opening kick, this is what this is right here. We'll kind of jump into the opening kick just to talk about these guys before they get on here. Uh, we've got Coach Darrell Berry. Uh, he is from Dutch Fork, coaches tight ends there. You know, played uh, college ball at Clemson. Uh, he's from the low country himself. But this guy's at Dutch Fork, and, and anytime you can get someone from, from that program on here, you know, talking about Dutch Fork, you've got a program that's been to like 10 of the last 11 state championships in the state of South Carolina. Uh, you know, been extremely successful, obviously, and you know he he coaches tight ends for those guys, so he's on here. And then we also have Coach uh, Coach Dyer from uh, May River, who again brings a different perspective, and that's kind of why we wanted him on here. He he coaches in an offense where a lot of times they have two, three tight ends on the field at the same time. They got you know uh, you're gonna hear a lot about H backs, some wings, and stuff like that. So. The reason we want to get these guys on here to give a little bit different perspective from each other to talk about tight ends, H-backs, Coach Fields, and, and they've actually played against May River, so he has a little bit of experience in game planning for that kind of stuff. So, you know, super excited to have these guys on here. Uh, Coach Fields, what you got? Anything looking forward to talking to these guys? Tight end and H-backs piss me off, but I'm excited to sit down and listen and learn what I can, you know. They're special, right? Just like the outside linebackers are special yep. on defense. These tight end and H-backs are a special position. So, hope you guys can learn something tonight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, big shout-out. Uh, again, I keep checking the numbers, and the and the numbers are growing. It seems like a lot of people like these positional episodes. And so, big shout-out to all of you that are listening. We appreciate you. Uh, you know, we did our 1K giveaway. Uh, but, again, we'll, we'll do some more stuff as this, as this thing keeps growing. Uh, just, you know – Again, we appreciate all of you guys listening, and hopefully you're learning something from this. So that's our opening kick, and we'll jump right into our first drive. All right, so this is the first drive of our tight end H-back positional episode. Uh, like I said in the opening kick, we are here in the Death Star. Two T's, though, and it's not trademarked. We don't right, want to trademark that. Right, right. So Coach Fields and I are here. We got our special guests on. Um, obviously, Coach Davis is joining us off off-site coach davis what's up man what's up fellas i'm glad to be on tonight yeah coach davis got called out in the community the other day for not being on the podcast so <laughs> i guess he had to show up yeah all right so um again we got our special guests on here two special guests tonight um obviously coach fields and i are not special but we got some some guys here that are gonna come and talk some tight end play uh you know we got coach tom dyer who's at may river high school and then we got Coach Darrell Barry, who's also uh, tight ends, and he's at Dutch Fork High School. Coach uh, Dyer, what's up, man? 
How's it going? Doing well tonight. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're not as good as you, man. You're, you're in a special situation. Go ahead and tell us where you're at. I'm, uh, I'm sitting in an empty uh, delivery room at Coastal Carolina Hospital. Uh, my wife is currently in labor. So yeah. uh, if I leave early, it's uh, because the baby's coming. There you go. So if Coach Dyer just kind of disappears, you'll know where he's at. So Listen, yeah. this one goes to Ethan Campbell. He just won up, <laughs> you big dog. Yeah, you did your honeymoon. He's, he's over here about to have a baby, and he's still in here doing this thing. So I think he wins. You win, Coach. You win. Yeah, but uh, excited to have you. And then we've got uh, Coach Barry. Coach Barry from Dutch Fork. How's it going, man? How's it going, guys? Glad to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, we're excited about this, guys. Um, so, you know, just kind of real quick, we already had the opening kick before you guys joined us, um, and so now we're going to the first drive. Just for you you two guys, real quick, just give a quick little background uh, about your coaching career and, and kind of where you're at. Coach Dyer will let you go first. All right, so uh, I'm originally I'm – a, I'm a Yankee Yankee. I'm originally from western New York, um, out by Buffalo. So uh, I played my college ball up there at a place called Utica University. Um, played for a guy named Blaze Fagiano. He's a good guy. Um, and then after I finished playing there, our offensive coordinator took a job at Morrisville State. It's a D3 school kind of in the middle of New York. Um, and I was able to play or do year restricted earnings um, as an offensive line guy there at Morrisville. Um, and then after that, I decided it was time to move down south. And uh, from that, I found a job at Wilson High in Florence. Um, and while I was at Florence, I had an opportunity to work with some, uh, some great guys um, there. And then uh, from Wilson, I spent one year there and I had a chance to meet coach uh, Rodney Summers when he was at Westwood High in Columbia. Um, and from that, uh, he took me out at Westwood and I coached tight ends with him there. That was my first uh, tight end experience exclusively. Um, and I was only there at Westwood for one year. And, uh, I remember coach Summers asked me one day, he uh, said, would you ever be interested in being a shark? And the only place I knew that was the sharks was St. James and Myrtle's Inlet. And I said, that sounds awesome. I would love to go live at Myrtle beach. He said, no, no, no. It's uh, maybe over high school. I said, okay, that's cool too. Where's that? And he said in Bluffton, I said, wonderful. Where's Bluffton? So I had to go look at a map and figure out where that was. And when I figured out it was down by Savannah and Hilton Head, I said, well, this sounds much better than Myrtle Beach. No offense. I mean, they're both great, but um, so I was able to go down there um, and I've been there ever since I did a stint of a year at receiver, um, receivers coach. And then I did half a year at running backs. Um, we had a running backs coach that couldn't uh, finish up the year with us. So I had to do uh, running backs for a year. But other than that, I've been doing tight ends. That's awesome, coach. Yeah. So, you, you know, like you said, a uh, little bit everywhere, but you've had some great experience on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, we're excited to have you on here to talk about some tight end stuff. So, uh, again, thanks for being with us. Uh, Coach Barry, go ahead and give a little bit about your background as well. All right. So, uh, I started playing. Um, I'm from Fort Dorchester, Charleston. Uh, Patriots. Uh, played for Coach Bagwell and Coach LaPrade. And uh, ended up going to play at Clemson um, after that. Spent a year at Fort Union before that, but um, ended up playing at Clemson. And then my coaching career started in Gilbert, up here in the Columbia area, right outside of Columbia. Um, while working, went from Gilbert and Lexington, ended up getting hired as the offensive analyst at Clemson. Worked under Danny Pierman. Um, me and him kind of took control of the tight ends, coached him up as good as we can. And uh, then I moved to GA to get some on the field experience at Clemson after those two years of analyst. And then ended up moving back. Um, to the Columbia area, Lexington area, and then getting with Tom Knotts um, and coaching tight ends with him. 
it's been a great experience. Yeah, Coach. Now, how many years have you been with Coach Knotts at Dutch Fork? Uh, two. Okay. Going on three. Gotcha. And so, it had to be kind of weird for you. And then obviously, this year, y'all played your, your alma mater in the state championship, right? That Was was that kind of weird for you? Yeah. We uh, we actually played them last year in the uh, the final, the semifinal, right before. Yeah. And then that was there. So, it was going back home and having to play them and see everybody there. Um, I'm also good friends with Coach Pratt's son. You know, we went to school together. We're the same age. And basically hung out every day. And so it's tough going back home and seeing those faces, you know, everybody's still there and the fans are still there and seeing home. But at the end of the day, when you got to win, man, you got to pick a side and, you know, it's, you kind of, you bloom where you're planted. And right now I'm planted at Dutch Fork and that's where I want to, want to get it in. So it was tough beating them, beating them at home. And then this year we got a hold of them in the, in the state championship. You know, they always flip us from lower state to upper state. So yeah. with Dutch Fork, you never know what side you're going to play on. Yeah, no, it had to be. I'm just, we've talked about it before on here, you know, going back home. We've all kind of coached against our alma mater at least, you know, one time before. It's, it's, yeah. a, little, it's a little different. So, yeah. Um, but that had to be, you know, a cool experience for you. Uh, you know, uh, and again, sure. we're, we're happy to have you guys on here to talk a little tight end stuff. So that's kind of our first drive. Um, we're going to go ahead and move straight into our two minute drill. Uh, you know, we sent you guys kind of an outline. The two-minute drill, we didn't give you the, the questions out. These are kind of like fun little questions that we're going to ask you, rapid fire. Um, you know, we'll, the goal is to try to be under two minutes. I don't know that many people have kept it under two minutes. Hey, they? the, the shout-out goes to Coach Tatum in North Carolina. He hooked us up with some good questions. So these guys oh, are going to have some brand-new questions here. So yeah, the so, same old, same old. Yeah, if you don't follow the YCA podcast on Twitter, you know, hit us up, send us some two-minute questions, and we can add them to, to the, uh, you know, the episode. So – uh, you know, real quick, like I said, we'll go two-minute drill. I'll ask the question uh, on my screen. I'm looking at you, Coach Barry. You'll go first. You'll answer it first. Then Coach Dyer will go. We'll let Coach Davis jump in here. And then myself and Coach Fields can answer. Five people, we got this. Are we going to do it? Yeah, we got this. Let's all right, do it. So all, all five of us are going to answer. So we got some couple of new questions. I'm going to go ahead and start it up. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Coach Barry, you're first. All right, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Vanilla. Chocolate. Vanilla. Chocolate. All right. Pants or shorts? Shorts all day long. Shorts. 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 Yep. All right. Cruise or resort? Resort. Mm. I ain't dying in the ocean. <laughs> Absolutely a resort. Way more things to do at a resort than on a cruise. Cruise. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Davis. <laughs> Resort. Uh, yeah, I go resort too. All right, fan on or fan off while sleeping? Mm. Oh, fan on. God, I hate that. <laughs> fan on like an icebox. Make it feel like I'm out in Buffalo. That's right. Fan on. Fan on. Never turn it off. Fan on. Yeah, fan on. All right. Uh, beat your rival or win the region? You can only pick one. Win the region. We got bigger goals. Win the region. One region. Region. Yeah, region. I like that one too. All right. Uh, favorite pregame meal food? Oh, spaghetti. <laughs> as a as a coach, definitely chicken wings. As a player, chicken and pasta. <laughs> spaghetti. Uh, yeah, we'll go spaghetti with a bunch of garlic toast as a coach. As sure, a coach. I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll go chicken, and I like chicken. All right. All right. So a nice uniform with an awful stadium, or a cool stadium with an ugly uniform. 
You look good. You play good, man. So I'm going <laughs> nice uniform. It doesn't matter what the stadium looks like. We're going to pack it out and get it done. I'll go uh, nice uniform with ugly stadium because we already have that. <laughs> I'm going to go cool stadium, ugly uniform. I'll agree. I'll go cool stadium. The uh, environment's something different, you know? I'm Coach Barry. Look good. Play good, man. Here we go. All right. Throw the Hail Mary or defend the Hail Mary? Oh, defend it. I'd rather defend it, man. It means we're up. Dude. That's right. Let's get it. I'm also going defend the Hail Mary. That's a much better percentage. Yeah. I want to throw it and watch somebody catch it over somebody. <laughs> I'll agree with Coach Davis there. Uh, Let's I, throw it. I want to defend it because I hope that means we're winning. So, all right, fries or tots? Fries, but I never eat the tips, man. Like, if it touches my hand, I don't eat them. So my, it pisses my <laughs> wife off that I throw the tips back in the box. Absolutely tater tots. It's not a, that's not even close. If tots are on the menu, it's absolutely tots. Fries. Dirty tots. I want the dirty tots. All right, rather face an odd or even front? Even. Even. Too much movement and an odd. Even's going to stay there. Even. Odd. Yeah, I'd rather face it even. All right. Spring break or Christmas break? Mm. How, how old are we talking here? You know <laughs> right now, Goats. It's right now. Uh, Christmas break, for sure. With the family? Yeah. 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 Christmas break. I coach a spring sport, so I don't get a spring break. <laughs> Christmas break. Same thing, Coach. Spring break, chasing turkeys, dog. Uh, Christmas break. All right, two questions. Favorite pizza restaurant anywhere? Doesn't matter. Uh, Village Idiot. Oh, um, Martino's back where I grew up. The place was really good, New York style. Shout out Steel City. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like pizza. It messes up my stomach, so Steel City. Weirdo. Pizza in. I want to eat as much pizza as I can. All right, last question. Vinegar or mustard barbecue sauce? Mustard. Mustard. Vinegar. Both. Mustard. Yeah. All right. So there's no absolute way that that was under two minutes. There was five of us, <laughs> I dog. Know. I know. You, it's impossible to get under two minutes. But it's the four-minute offense. Yeah, there we go. The, just trying to grind it out. We just hurry up the whole time, but it's the four-minute offense. Yeah. So, again, pretty good pretty good job, guys. It is tough to do it with five guys. Um, but, you know, I think we did pretty good. A lot of fun questions we had. And, again, shout-out to Coach Tatum for sending in yeah. some of those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And we added some of those, too. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back into the aired out segment. All right, we're back here. Uh, we are going to go ahead and move this thing into the aired out segment. Uh, Coach Fields, his meat and taters segment here. Hey, side note, y'all might hear my dog chewing on the bone. He's being the goodest boy ever, so yes. you're just going to have to deal with the bones. Nah, he'll be all right. He, he's being a good boy, so. Yeah, all right. Um, again, aired out segment, we're talking tight ends, H-back stuff. We've got Coach Barry from Dutch Fork. We've got Coach Dyer from May River. These guys are uh, going to go ahead and, and share some knowledge with us today. So, guys, I'll go ahead and start it out. Uh, Coach Barry will let you go first this time. I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question. So, just just kind of start with your you know, your program's current scheme. Just talk a little bit about that. Um, Coach Knotts does a really good uh, thing with our offense as far as the scheme goes because we are a true H-back tight end, 12 personnel football team. But our A-back, if we're able to use him, and we do so much motioning because we're a big gap scheme run, and so we're pulling a lot of guys. And so I would say that we're a 12 personnel run, and then the moment that you prepare for it, he does a really good job of moving that A-back into the slot and sending them out to the corner on the edge and um, blocking the alley as well 
which is, you know, what I call outside the tackle. So I would say we're a 12 personnel gap scheme run team. Gotcha. Now, Coach, what do you guys call – like you mentioned the A-back. What do you guys call your tight ends and your H-backs in your offense? So we'll call the on the line the Y, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll call the off the line the A. And then that'll stand for if we're in 11 personnel, the A. You know, the, the ace is the is the uh, receiver that we bring on, and really he can move him anywhere. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily the slot receiver that we're bringing on if we take the – the 12 personnel tight end off, you know, that, that receiver may line up where a normal X would be in the X would, and the Z and the X would be on the other side. So it's just, it's a position. He's not coming in necessarily for the slot and we don't leave two receivers on, but he can come on for the ACE who's a receiver that can do everything. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So coach Dyer, you're kind of a little bit different. Obviously you guys are probably a little more run heavy than, than most. So just talk a little bit about you, your guys scheme. So we are more, um, smash mouth, um, run it at you, more uh, 12, 13, and 14 personnel, um, and just have a physical run identity. I mean, we're, we throw the ball about as much as a flex bone team, um, but our basic stuff is gap stuff to power counter. We've fallen in love with belly over the last couple of years, so we're running a ton of belly, um, some inside trap, trap three stuff, and then a little bit of uh, option off the edge once you pack everybody in there. Um, so that's kind of our personality there. And we want to be able to, just like Coach Barry said, be able to move everybody around and give you different looks there. Um, for us, that's kind of our thought there is that we want to give you as many different looks as possible from having tight end wing, tight end wing wing, you know, tackle over tight end wing wing and just create as many gaps as possible and make it uncomfortable for the kids playing defense on the other team. Absolutely. And so we've both, got – Both of these offenses will piss you off defensively. Okay, um, I haven't played against Dunch Fork yet. We played against May River this year, and it pisses you off. Um, <laughs> I know the offensive line coach at Dutch Fork kind of hooked us up with Coach Barry. Uh, coach Culverson's an awesome guy. I've coached with him before, and he sent me some screenshots of what they do, you know, the formations that y'all line up in, Coach Barry, and it just pisses me off. And then, you know, having to play against Coach Dyer's group, it just pisses you off defensively. Yeah, it's it's a different animal. You guys are bringing a different perspective, and obviously, you know, I'm I'm more of a spread based. I've always been in kind of a spread based type stuff. So this stuff is is I'm interested in it too, just to kind of get some some information and, and take some notes from you guys too. Um, yeah, that's kind of like a little bit of, of the background. So now, now we'll kind of start. I like to start kind of from the ground and, and work our way up. So we'll let Coach Dyer go first here. Uh, just talk about your philosophy on like splits, first steps within your team's like favorite runs, things like that. So for us, um, our splits on the ball are genetically or um, generically, not genetically. Sorry, I got the baby thought in there. Um, generically. <laughs> you get a pass, um, Coach. It's okay. Two, feet, uh, two and a half feet um, sometimes. Um, but for our guys, generically, the, um, the, if you're, whatever your job on the ball is, is going to be the same if we move you off the ball. Um, um, and our first steps are the same that the O-line takes. So am I going to take a, a lead step? Am I going to take a drop step? Am I going to take a down step, reach, whatever? They're all the same um, as the offensive line. So that way we have the same vocabulary. Um, and, I mean, our D-line uses the same terminology. Our receivers use the same terminology. So any any coach, all the kids know the exact same. When you say take this step, everybody in the program knows what it is. Um, but for us, I would say – um, our most important step that we need to work is every single day is a down step. Um, and taking that step of where am I stepping? 
based on how far away the defender is if I'm on the ball versus I'm off the ball. Because if I move off the ball into the slot, that defender now just moved further away from me because I moved further away from him. Um, so where is my head placement based on what that guy does on film study? If he's a spinner, my head's going behind. If he's trying to shoot the gap, my head's going in front. Where's my hand placement um, and all that stuff? And, you know, kind of breaking it down of taking first step, then two steps, then full thing. And really like scaffolding it for the kids to be able to understand um, what specifically we're asking for them to do. Um, and then I would say our next most important step that we are going to work on um, is the steps that we're going to take for double teams um, based on if I am covered or uncovered. So if I'm covered, I'm going to take like a post step or we call it a lead step to go right there to post the guy up. Um, and then versus if I'm uncovered and I'm going in with the tackle, like I'm going to double four technique um, from being on the ball tight end, where is my first step going over or am I dropping? Am I trying to get behind the tackle? Um, sometimes if it's a bigger person, we don't want to get split. We're going to work behind the tackle's knee um, versus trying to get hip to hip and just understanding those steps. But all those things we work on um, every day um, and making sure that we get that squared away. Um, and then the, the last part I would say is our lead step, like an actual like base block drive step of going out to block somebody, whether it's an outside linebacker or we're going to block like base block a defensive end or, um, you know, we're going to an inside back on an ISO block, something like that, taking our first step and being important there. But for us, we, we emphasize the second step more than the first step because your first step could be great, but if your second step lags, you're going to get, you know, hit in the mouth. So ours is how fast you can get your second step in the ground. That's kind of our big emphasis at May River is getting your second step in there. Um, and then being able to roll from there. Sweet. Now, just talking about that second step, how do you, like, like kind of give me a, a little bit about, you know, your practice in that. What do you, like, say to those guys, or what are you trying to work to, to emphasize getting that second step in the ground? So we'll start with taking your first step, then taking your, like, in the shoot, like, taking your first step, whatever that step is, then taking your second step to be able to get it in the ground and then going full thing all the way through. So, like, if I'm going to do, like, like, a, like a, a drop step or whatever, like a reach step. I'm going to take my first step on the first whistle, second whistle, I'm going to take two. And you reset every time after the whistle. And then on the third one, you're going to run all the way through. So when that rep, the kid's getting three different sets of it while trying to go through there, and it takes a couple extra seconds. Um, and then like spring ball, um, that usually takes a while for the kids to get. But by the time we get to the summer and we get to the season, they already got it, whether it's varsity or JV guys um, from there. But I mean, the, the, the coaching point is always, you know, quicker second step. Your second step is too far forward. It's too lag behind. Your feet aren't even um, and all that. So in a bad first step leads to a bad second step. Um, and a good first step doesn't necessarily lead to a good second step. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Uh, Coach Barry, you, you might do some similar stuff, but maybe you want to elaborate some on kind of your, you know, philosophy as far as splits, first steps, and things like that in the run game. Um, usually a foot and a half splits is, uh, we, we don't try to give up any tendencies on splits. The only time I will say is if we're hundred percent outside, hundred percent sprint, um, balls going outside, no matter what, I don't mind if the backside tight end butts up to the tackle to cut off that end. Cause once the tackle disappears, that defensive end is taught to chase that shoulder and we're taught to cut him off and we don't want to get washed down basically all the way. So other than that, man, we're foot and a half splits and, um, we kind of keep it there. The A back is one by one back off the wise hip. Usually we use so much motion to create gaps that at the end of the day, unless he's stationary, he's one by one. Other than that, 
line up, whether it's inside the Y or outside the Y, usually the one by one, we're going to move you anyway. And um, that's as far as alignment goes with us. Uh, I will say with steps, I use, um, like Coach uses a post step for sure, but I use a base step, a power step, and a bucket step. And I use those three, and we get really good at using those three steps. So base step, kind of your up and down, but it's more lateral. So to me, a post is an up and down, and we're working right there how a post step. Base step, we're kind of going to move laterally. So you're talking zone, um, over and up step. So a base would be, you know, left or right, and then the second one's going up the field. Power step is always at an angle. Gap scheme, we always use power step. So you're blocking down 90% of the time. That inside foot is going to be um, 45 degrees almost, um, kind of to that Mike Backer. And we're on a track. I say train tracks from there, and that's what that power step gets us. And then a bucket step is if we're cutting off or if we're arcing. So anytime we do that, I don't want you to get caught up on the line. So a bucket step is you're stepping back in the bucket, you're losing ground, and you're trying to work your way around the trash to kind of go and get that defender. Um, with our favorite run play, I would say it's a play we call lead, where we're pulling the backside guard and the backside tackle. We use action in the backfield with the quarterback and the running back. And uh, the A-back, who's at the one-by-one -one position, He's using a gallop step, um, gallop technique. So it's not a step, but he's galloping down to the um, end that's on the Y, and he's going to knock him across the face, and he's going to chase the um, outside shoulder of the backer that's scraping over the top. And I'd say, man, we just, like I said, you're just creating gaps and building walls, and that's what we get really, really good at. And with those four steps as a tight end in our offense, man, and we just work at it every day. Kind of can't go wrong with those steps. Yeah, Coach, so talk about that gallop step a little bit because that's something I haven't heard. Like, see if you can kind of break it down a little bit for me. Like, what yeah, kind so of step is step, it? The, the, the A-back doesn't have his hand on the ground. So, you know, he's in a squatting position. And really what he's going to do is kind of skip forward, you know, with keeping his shoulder square. And he's looking at the outside shoulder. The moment that he engages the outside shoulder of the end, he has enough momentum with the gallop step to knock the end across the Y. Y has a strong outside hand. As soon as he feels that pressure and help by the A, strong outside hand to knock the guy across and then he's taken care of the age job is done the moment that he makes contact he's looking at the outside shoulder of that mike that mike's eyes are in the backfield at the run action so it's going to hold him for a second to give us enough time for that gallop step to knock that guy across and that mike has no idea that the a back's coming from a hit position to come and ear hole him right there and keep him in the box and that jarvis green or a liam appler whoever it is they outside and it's kind of hard if, the, if if we miss on that, the Mike chases, but yeah. he ain't going to miss because he knows he's got some running to do on Monday. If he misses <laughs> that, I like it. Just good, uh, good sound technique with that gallop step, knocking that end across, dealing with the first level first, eyes on the second level. Um, I teach those A-backs, you know where the guy is. Once you have your hand on the guy, you know where he is. You don't have to have your eyes on that end. Your eye needs to be on the shoulder of the second level defender that we're working to because we're always double teaming. Yeah, and so you, you kind of went into it, so we'll kind of jump into hand placement stuff. So we'll let you kind of keep talking, then we'll shoot it over to Coach Dyer. So just talk about hand placement and, like, what you guys teach in that kind of situation. Um, before anything, what I teach, and I learned this in college, playing the position tight end and then also coaching it in college, is I'm blocking you with my body. Nobody's really strong enough to block with just your hands without your hips, legs, um, and all that lower lower half power. So uh, what I always teach is um, armpits. And first of all, we're going to get that the center of your helmet 
on your left armpit or your right armpit. I'm never blocking anybody straight down the middle. If it's zone, I'm chasing your outside armpit. If it's um, power gap scheme, I'm chasing your outside armpit no matter what. And we're always working to build. I don't ever want to overrun anything or block you down the center and give you a two-way go. We're always building walls. And so So is that your cues, Coach? I'm going to stop you real quick. So that's the cues you would use those guys as you're looking for this armpit or that armpit? Yeah, pre-practice, I know I'm kind of going backwards, but – the first drill we do is we put our heels on the line. It doesn't matter what line it is. It can be a yard line, the sideline, and then we work those four steps five times in a row on a whistle. You know, I don't even have to say anything. When we go out there, all right, let's go. They get on there, they get their steps, they get down in their stance, and they take their base steps, post steps, five at a time, and then we go straight to the one man, and they know they're never blocking that one man down the uh, down the middle. They're always picking a side, and they know that it's all play-specific. So zone, they know that they're 100% outside shoulder, and um, same thing with the inside gallop step. I just I moved the sled to an angle, and he's still outside shoulder. He knows we never block down the middle at all. And then hand placement is always outside. So you block a guy down the middle, you get a chance for holding. If you're on an edge, you can always have one hand stronger than the other because he's going to try to fight across, and you're already on that side. So that's a big coaching point for us being – we're on the end of the line. It's tough to block that end that's taught. Don't let anybody outside of you. Well, you're good into his outside shoulder or the play doesn't work, you know. And so um, that's where those steps come into play and that are big for us in our offense. Yeah, it's good stuff. And so, Coach Dyer, again, you might have some similar stuff, but if you, you know, you know, kind of add your own little, you know, twist to that stuff, talking about like hand placement and stuff, what you teach. So what we do is same thing. We're, we're more like D-linemen, like trying to attack half a man. So we're trying to get the one hand on the breastplate. So like Coach Barry said, the armpit, but the other one, we're trying to focus on the V. We call, I call it the V of the neck, where your jersey and the shoulder pads come down to that V, get your other hand inside on the V of the neck so we can control half a man because our guys and, and the Buford coaches always kind of rip on us for this. They say we have clones of kids that are between 5'9 and 5'11, weigh 180 to 100 or 210 pounds, and there's just a zillion of them running around. So we don't have any spectacular athletes, so we need to make sure that we are taking advantage of everything that we have. So, like, when we're going against somebody that has way bigger defensive linemen than us or way bigger outside backers than us, like Coach Barry said, if we attack whole man, we are going to get steamrolled and get reverse pancake. That is no good for us. So when we attack there, we want our head to make sure that we are. So hand on the V, hand on the breastplate or armpit for Coach Barry. And then we want to make sure that we are getting our head on his heart. So not like middle of the body, but like where you put your hand for Pledge of Allegiance or National Anthem, put your head on his heart so you're able to work that guy um, and try to get him moving so we can attack half a man to be able to get him going um, wherever we need to go uh, from that standpoint. Um, but other thing too that we do to work that is, I and I saw this just on one of a random Twitter video, I saw somebody in the NFL blocking and they had rolled up like hand towels oh, yeah. taped up and they threw them underneath their armpit. So we had that. So we just found a bunch of nasty, dirty, old hand towels from the training room and just taped them up with athletic tape. And we just brought them out there and threw them down. So those were great um, for us to use underneath our armpits to squeeze them and, um, you know, try to keep them inside and engage there. So you did really work your hips because you're not leaning over. You're not getting your full body work into it. You're really focusing on using your legs and your hips. Um, and trying to create some sort of movement um, from there. Um, and it's also important for us, too, uh, when we're blocking, to make sure that we are just generating as, not, as much force off the ball 
immediately. So our strike is really important for us. Again, like I said, because we don't have guys that are running around that are six foot six and weigh 250, you know, and are getting looks. I mean, we get one of those kids every once in a while, but most of the time it is just your kid that's a really good high school football player um, that's just trying to go out there and be mean and nasty. Absolutely. Yeah, Coach. Um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of some stuff, talking about some some specifics, you know, like we talked about some splits and some steps and hand placements, stuff like that. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of our EDDs, okay? We're back here. We're going to talk some EDD stuff now. So uh, we'll just kind of – we're kind of snaking it. If you've ever been in a, a fantasy football draft, snake draft here. So Coach Dyer just finished up that question. So we'll just kind of let you jump right into this one too, Coach. Just talk about some of your favorite EDDs that you – you know, wherever you are, wherever you're going to go, you're going to take them with you no matter what. So we always start every single practice. We, we get our kids to get out there as fast as possible from the locker room so they can kind of start like pre-practice. Um, and we're in the shoot on the boards and we're taking our steps. Um, like I had discussed before, like one step, then two step, then all the way through to get through all that. I think that's really important, um, whether you're coaching offensive line, tight ends, or any sort of blocking position. Um, that's important. Another drill that I like doing every day is I call it the down block reaction drill. So we will work starting in a fit in a down block and then working, okay, he's a run up field, run my feet. Um, he's trying to spin over the top, work my head on the backside, and I'll roll the barrel, get him up the field from there. And then make sure we're working um, from a stance going there. So like, I didn't mention this before, but whether you're playing on the ball or in the backfield, our tight ends, and, and we call them fullbacks, are in the three-point stance every single time. Um, so those guys are always working that. Same thing, if I'm off the ball, it's a little bit further, so I have to react a little bit different. And we'll just work with the, whoever their partner is and make sure that they're getting squared away on head placement, hand placement um, from there. Um, and then for catching, um, I know we don't do a lot of that here at May River, but for catching, some drills that I like to do is like, I'm never, we're always doing top of the route. Um, so we don't exhaust the guys, but we're doing top of the route. Um, breaks and when they're catching balls i can't remember the last time i threw a spiral at practice i throw <laughs> chest passes i throw knuckle balls and everything like that um so they're practicing catching bad balls so when they do get a spiral you know it's perfect for them and, it, and it's wonderful because when they're throwing with their buddies in the backyard or on the beach or whatever they're throwing spirals they get practice that all the time they don't get practice at the ducks being thrown at them or the knuckle balls or a ball that's been tipped or something like that yep. so that's where they have a chance to work on that sort of stuff um, and on that sort of drill, I don't, I'm not watching their hands. I'm watching their eyes. I want them to see catch with their eyes. I want to see them wherever the ball's going, follow the ball. Um, and then another one that I um, like to do is we did this. So the one year I did restricted earnings um, up there, I had to work with the tight ends as well when I was doing all line and our receivers coach took all these nasty old kicking balls that had no grip on them and painted the tips of them a different color. Oh, and yeah. he would throw them to the receivers and they had to call up the name of the color um, when they came around a pop-up bag to catch it. Um, and we use those for the tight end, same thing. So I'm waiting for some kicking balls. You know how sometimes head coaches are with all their game balls. I'm waiting for those to get <laughs> dirty to nastied up so I can go paint them um, and use them for the tight ends. Uh, but those are really the everyday drills that we wanna make sure that we're focusing on, at least at May River, is down blocks and being able to catch um, balls with your eyes. So, Coach, before Coach Barry starts, I just want to ask you, uh, stance real quick with that three-point, is it much different than what you guys are teaching your offensive linemen as far as being a tight end, or is it pretty similar? It's, it's, very, it's very similar. Um, we don't have as much weight on our hand going forward um, from there because we have to do a lot of 
more horizontal movement than vertical movement. Um, as an offensive lineman, a lot of our offensive plays, we are going forward around a 45, where for us at tight ends, I mean, we might have to be pulling, going out to arc, releasing. Um, but the stance is, is the same. Everybody gets taught the exact same stance. Good deal. Coach Barry, what you got for us, man? Uh, started with practice. Um, first thing we do, like I said, they go through the shoots just to get their hips loose, kind of a duck walk. Um, I always tell them, make sure that you keep those elbows tight and you get those hands in a in a you know front to back motion to keep them loaded. Thumbs up um, and eyes up. Big thing for me is eyes up. Um, I feel like if you work hard enough in the weight room throughout the year, you can always look at the man that you're going to block. And if if you ain't strong enough to block them, then you don't need to have your head down and try to ram them or be out of control. You know, have your eyes up, look that man in the eye, find that shoulder, that armpit, and uh, keep those thumbs up and go after him. So we work on that. From there, we go to the sideline, going back to my steps drill. Um, it's just quick 25 steps, go through all five steps. I'm just blowing a whistle making sure that when they take that first step, they also load their elbows and load their hands. So when they take their first step, their elbows are back and their their thumbs are up and their hands are loaded because the moment that that second um, step hits the ground is the same exact time that you're going to get hit with those hands. And so uh, after the steps drill, we go to the one-man sled, my favorite, because once you load that first those hands on that first step, now we're working the second step. The moment that your second step hits the ground, your eyes are up, your head hits the uh, one-man sled, and that's the same time that you take your second step and your hands hit the guy. And unless you're you know, a five-star defensive end, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you create that much force with those three movements, you're going to move anybody. And so we get really good with our uh, on-the-line tight end with taking those first two steps and actually striking a dude and, uh, and hitting them. From there, we'll work the zigzag drill is what I call it. Uh, the guy will come off, he'll he'll look at the second level, kind of blocks down and zigzags back out as if it's a scraper over the top. Um, good to go. All right. And then um, we do a release and jab drill. Uh, and so uh, we do, we're involved in the pass game a lot. We do run a lot of verticals down the field. We do run a lot of corners and arrows straight to the sideline. So we'll either have to jab step on a wide end or uh, we'll have to rip through on the inside. And that's kind of pre-practice our main drills that we use when we get really, really good out. But steps, striking, and um, hitting that pad is is key in our offense. So, Coach Barry, what are some of um, your favorite equipment that you use? Is it is it the one-man sled? Do you like to use any hand shields? Yeah, I stay away from hand shields as much as I can because with the one-man sled, that thing's heavy, man. And so every time that you go and hit that thing, I don't want to be holding a shield and have to bite down, have to go borrow a mouthpiece and bite down on a mouthpiece to knock these kids out every single time, you know. But that one-man sled, you know, if you don't bring it, that sled's not going anywhere. And they have to move it three yards no matter what step we're taking. So if it's a power step and you're blocking down, you're going to block down and then you're going to duck walk for three steps. And that's what I tell you. Once you make um, contact with that pad, I want to hear one, two, three, and then you let it go. So that thing starts sliding. We're never working in one area. We're always moving and we create movement. So uh, I would say the one-man sled is my all-time favorite. I will use the square shield because I will put it between their shoulders and they will work together keeping their hands up and they have to lean into each other oh, nice. and keep a square shield and they won't drop it. And so that's for double teams when we're running, you know, our base, which is our up and um, our over and up or our true zone working out on tracks. And they're working on one man together with their eyes on the second level. So 
I'll stand five yards behind them. They'll put the the shoulder, the pad in between their shoulder or in between their hips. Another good one that Coach Culberson came up with and uh, keeping it down by their hips. And they have to stick together and they can't drop that pad with no hands on it, man. And they're working um, with their hands in that duck walk. Yeah, and it also gives you a great visual point too and and automatic feedback, right? You can say, hey, you missed right there or or your hand placement wasn't right. You know, you dropped the bag. Uh, Coach Dyer, what, what do you got for us? So we don't have a one-man sled at Bay River. We got to make our own. So what we like to do is take the tight ends over there and we'll go to, we have a five-man. So we'll go on one, three, and five on the sled and leave two and four open. Like I'm talking about the pads on there itself. And we'll go from three-man to two-man. And then we make a one-man by driving the middle. Um, and it's it takes a lot to drive that thing. And like I said, uh, you're, you could be super strong. You're not going to drive a five-man sled very easily. So you need to get a good pop for our guys there. Um, so they'll drive by taking their steps and doing it. And then another thing we'll do is um, we call it meat hang or meat hooks. So we'll take it and we'll try to lift the sled up. We practice on grass. So we'll dig the back of the chute, or I'm sorry, the sled into the ground and put it up on the meat hook like you're hanging meat in a meat locker um, there. So those are, you know, making the most of what we have um, from there. Gotcha. So I, I want to add on our one quick question. How often do y'all work with your defensive ends kind of getting that live look of working a down block and working your other steps during practice? Coach Barry? Uh, we try to do it as much as we can. Um, we're a big competition team. As, as much competition and competitive periods as we can put in, we will. And, um, man, we coach these boys hard. And so – Anytime we get to work together and and if the schedule allows it without us interfering in the true teaching of the offense and of the game, we definitely work with the ends, whether it's inside or this year we're going to implement a crossover where it's a half and half, you know, with with maybe a three or a one and an end and then a linebacker. And that way we can just work that triangle and just keep getting better at, at what we do. That's good stuff, Coach Dyer. Uh, we work with them. A decent amount, um, but we do a lot of slanting and stuff like that on defense. We run a version of the the Pelham 3-4 that a lot of teams in South Carolina run. Um, so we work with them a little bit, but um, not as much. We use more of our JV guys um, to work with those guys. And um, when we have our JV guys, what they're doing is we will get um, like a sheet of paper, like a half sheet or an index card and give it to them and tell them like, hey, I need you to do one. So either one's running up field, two's crossing face, three spinning out or whatever. So you can just tell them like they just have it in their hand and then, okay, I'll just put it in my pants or whatever. And then they just go and execute whatever they're doing um, from that. I will, I don't, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I will say at different schools, I guess you can implement practice. During the season, our scout team are our twos, you know? And so right. when you have as many kids as we do, you know, you can say, hey, I don't want our twos standing over there when our ones are working so our twos can come up against our ones on offense. And then those defensive ends, you know, they could start for some other schools and, and they're pretty good too. So we're constantly getting work and constantly competing. And then we give out awards for, for guys that take any kind of scout team rep. So you don't necessarily have to be a scout team player. You might be the backup defensive end and you're getting good two reps on defensive reps, but then you'll come over to scout reps when we're getting offensive reps and you're balling there too. And then coach will recognize you on the weekend. And those dudes take pride in that man, for sure. So I know not every school has 
you know, a hundred and something guys that they can throw out there. But when you do, man, it's using those guys and making sure that they're getting better too. And it's a good way to, to bring them along and then get work for the ones. Yeah, that's some good insight there, Coach. Um, yeah, like you said, it's it's different everywhere, obviously. You know, and that's why we, you know, we're trying to get as many people on as we can from different places, you know, different experiences and, and stuff like that to share. And, you know, hopefully somebody can take something from it. So uh, I, I guess sure. kind of my transition into the next part is, you know, you guys, obviously tight ends, you have to be very versatile. So you got to be able to catch the football. you got to be able to run block. How, how do you guys – and, Coach Barry, you can kind of answer this one first. How do you guys, like, balance – you know, what you're trying to focus on throughout practice between, you know, how much time do we want to spend in the run game or how much time do we want to spend, you know, in the pass game? Just talk about your balance Coach, and stuff in practice. Can I cut you off real quick? Yeah, go ahead. And, guys, when you all start answering this one, can you all tell us or tell the people how many people you have in your position group yeah. as well, total, like how many players as well? Go ahead, Coach Barry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so with, uh, with my varsity guys, I had three seniors – and I had a sophomore, and then that was it. So I had four guys this year, and then the rest we stayed. They stayed down. Like I said, there's no you ain't gonna play in front of our seniors, and so we're not gonna waste talent. You can go down and play JV, and then the two young bulls, they're 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 way down there, so they ain't ready yet. But um, I had those five, those four four guys, and. Uh, Really had the young one kind of try to bring him along. He started for JV, but he would also come up on Fridays. He suited up and played against Huff in the first game of the season, but he just wasn't getting enough reps to where it's like, look, you played, you got 26 reps, but you could go to JV and play every single rep. And um, it's kind of, it's part of developing um, your guys. And then as far as the past game, it's, man, it's a psychological game for tight ends. You know, it's the best of both worlds is what I tell them. And my guys know that you got to be tough and you got to be mean. My guys are the fire starters for Dutch Sports offense. We're going to be the ones that get it cranked in offense. We're the loud ones. We're going to start all the pushing and shoving. And, you know, hey, this, hey we need something today because I'm that guy. You know, so they have to kind of be a mirror image of me. And so I'm like, hey, practice a little slow today. Come on, go out there and pancake somebody and let, let everybody know that we're trying to get better. And those guys, they have to go do it. And uh, they're super tough. But then, it, hey, it's past time. Now you got to look kind of fresh. You know, you got to go out there and run. And let me see. Let me see you run a little bit. And they like, all right, coach. And, you know, they stand up a little bit taller. And uh, <laughs> in our drill work, you know, we do only the tough things. So it's not I tell them it's never meant for you to reach out and catch a ball with one hand. If you can reach out and catch with one hand, you can put the next one next to it. You know, those one handed grabs are just you just there's no way I can catch it. And you reach out there and all of a sudden it, it kind of lands in your hand. So we always do over the shoulder balls and then we'll do a pressure step for like corners and posts. Um, but um, other than that, man, it's kind of just, Hey, you got to have some savvy to you. And then that's the the speech I give them as far as being in the past game and having the best of both worlds. And they're prepared for it. We work on our releases and route running and I explain everything to a T and why we're doing it. So my guys even know, Hey, if you're running a vert down the middle of the field and you see two safeties, you better haul butt and beat the linebacker because that's your ball. But if there's one safety, you ain't getting it. Don't be selfish. Go cover up that safety. You ain't getting it. There's no – don't look back for the ball. Go get the safety, you know. And so the quarterback's read is open or close. It's closed. Now it's your job to do your part and go and cover up that safety. And somebody else is going to catch the ball and score a touchdown. So not wanting the ball. You know, tight ends always want the ball in the pass game, and we do <laughs> show them some love. But you got to be you got to be mean and you got to be a difference maker. 
That's right. And, and so, and Coach Dyer, you, you kind of bring a little bit different perspective. Obviously, you've, you kind of mentioned earlier, you guys don't throw it as much. But just, just talk about trying to balance within your offense, you know, between the run and the pass. So, we start every day doing run-based stuff. Um, and then when it's time for the offensive line or those guys to go do pass-based stuff um, or play action looks or anything that's more O-line specific that we can't, you know, get involved in, um, then we'll go do stuff. So top of the route, like Coach Barry said there, catching balls. Our catches mostly come from some sort of RPO or play action. We are not a drop back, straight straight drop back team. Um, we do not have any burners at receiver. We have kids that can catch the ball. So we need to offer them that opportunity by getting them more space on play action and boots. Um, so we'll go and work with the receivers and doing uh, and quarterbacks doing RPO stuff. Um, but top of the routes, and then we'll work with the receivers on whatever they're doing um, as well, whether it's getting on the jugs or catching the ball at the sideline. Because our guys know if you're a pass catcher in our program, if that ball's thrown to you, you never know when that's going to happen again. So you better make the most of it. Um, but the cool part uh, with that, with doing the pass pro, or I'm sorry, the pass catching, not the pass pro, mm -hmm. is that we're, we really want to make sure that our guys have fun when they're catching the ball. Like you have to understand what you're doing to get open because you need to make the most of your opportunity. So like coach talks about one high versus two high, where am I going on a vertical? So I, what I teach my tight ends, like I said, we do a lot of RPO stuff, whether it's a, a vertical um, like tight end pop pass or whether we're running an arrow out to the sideline, which is like a short little bench route. Um, so I teach my guys that they have to get in between what I call the triangle with the triangle being the outside backer, the inside backer to your side, and the safety. So if you were to think about the triangle with the inside backer and the outside backer being the bottom part of the triangle, you have to split the bottom of the triangle. So if you're getting mugged by an outside backer, um, you can't release outside of your triangle because the ball's gonna be thrown to you from the inside if you're going vertical, he's gonna be in the way. So you need to fight to get inside the base of the triangle. And once you get past the base of the triangle, now you gotta find the tip of the triangle. Where's that safety? and then avoid that safety. So if it's one high safety, I need to make sure that I'm now veering out towards the hash or out towards the sideline, um, you know, splitting him in the corner. Um, if it's three or just getting away from him, if it's cover one, uh, to make sure that I'm going to be able to get that ball. It's an RPO, I'm catching the ball between, I don't know, five to eight yards from the line of scrimmage. So I have to make sure that I'm making this decision rather quickly. Um, and then if it's too high, work towards the middle of the field, but avoid the opposite side of the backer. So you have to work your triangle. So if you're listening and you're a team that does RPOs with a tight end or an H-back or anybody that goes vertical, that would be my – take one thing away from this that I'm saying. Coach Barry said a lot of great things. He said way better things than I have. But if you're taking one thing away, make sure you work the triangle. It's been successful for us ever since we started implementing that back in 2018. For sure. Yeah, no, that's good. And like I said, you guys being uh, bring two different perspectives, and that's kind of – you know, that was the big, you know – a point for my, myself and coach fields to try to get you guys on so for one you're bringing different perspectives and you're not talking about the same exact thing in the same exact scheme so that, that's been some good uh points so far we'll take a quick break and then we got a couple more questions for you guys we're back here uh we got a couple more questions for these guys um again coach dyer is, is sitting waiting for child number two so um time sensitive here but yeah you guys have been awesome so far and we'll just kind of ask these last couple questions and so we'll keep this thing rolling in the air out segment so all right, we're kind of moving on to lower-level stuff. Uh, you know, I guess 
how do you guys identify and develop your lower level tight ends, uh, or, or even, and you can even talk about how you work with the lower level coaches as well. Just Coach Barry, talk about how you identify those guys as you know maybe even seventh graders on, and then you know what's kind of your relationship with those coaches that are coaching those guys as well. Uh, in the summer, um, Coach Knott allows us to work with those younger teams. You know he does have a staff for those uh, those guys, but being that we run the same offense you know it's not as complicated and as complex on the lower level but it is the same offense same terminology and so we get to go down there and you know if we're saying base right you know we get to work with those guys and they see the varsity guys as they're coming out and so we're like hey come and watch these drills versus just standing up there and joking around and putting putting your pads on and he'll have them going through the last half of practice um, with us and standing there, you know, when there's, there, there's lines and we're doing walkthroughs, he has them there and then doing a really good job with your varsity guys to set the example for the young guys, man, that is huge, huge, huge. Cause kids now they're all technology. What they see on a, on a device is what they think is real life and what they want to do. And so it's the same thing on football, the ones that really care what they see those varsity guys do. They want to be like that guy. Now they're not going to tell them, Hey man, I want to be like you, but if you're the eighth grade tight end or the ninth grade tight end, you see the varsity guy out there destroying people, catching balls and being successful on the field. They ultimately want to play like him. You know, they're not going to tell you that. And so it's up to us to get the older guys ready to be able to coach um, the younger guys. And then, it's hard for a lot of coaches. I know the time we put in with these kids and you're raising somebody else's kids and not your own because you spend so much time with them. But I'm at all the games on Wednesday night. I go to all the games on Thursday night or at least half um, if they're at home because we have practice right before. So we stay out there and JV games were there pretty much the whole game. So um, it takes a lot out of you to drive to BC and watch the C team play and the B team play. But um, just letting those kids see you're there and be like, I'm watching you because you got to come up in a couple of years and I'm going to be your coach. And I want to see if you got it now. And that little bit for a kid that age that barely knows what he's doing, that's that little bit of fire he needs to say, all right, you know, if coach Barry's here watching me, he coaches the tight ends on varsity. I better make sure that I play hard this game. And um, those two young guys, man, I, I give them crap and I'm hard on them, but that's just getting them ready to, to kind of be brought up. And so it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of hard coaching, but we do it for a reason. And so that's hey, how co I Coach, it. real quick, like this, obviously you get, you're at a program, you guys have won. I mean, y'all have been to, I think, 10 of the last 11 state championships here in South Carolina and stuff like that. Just give some, like, what would you tell a guy who's at a program that maybe isn't as successful? How does he, how would he approach those lower level guys in like, well, let's just say you're you're at a new school and it's a school that hasn't won many football games. You're coaching tight ends. What would you do in that kind of situation? As far as the entire program, just just talking about like trying to get you like you're talking about. Oh, Coach Barry's watching our game. You know, I'm gonna make yeah. sure. How do you kind of go into a place yeah. that's not maybe as successful as a Dutch Fork and, and kind of build that? Yeah, I would start on the lower level and make it fun. Show them how fun it is to play this game and show the benefits you get of it. Um, you learn so much from football, you know, um, being competitive, having to depend on somebody. You know, in eighth grade, there's not many times that you look across and you see like a, a classmate and you have to depend on him to do something to be successful. That doesn't really happen in a classroom sense. But on a football field, you got to depend on that eighth grader, that kid. Right. And so nine times out of 10, they lose or they struggle or they face adversity. And then that's a teaching moment. 
but then you have to find a way to make it fun at the same time and then let you know you support them. Also, kids want to be structured. They want to they want to have some kind of structured environment. And so that's up to the coach to do that. So with my guys, man, I'm hard on them. I tell them, you do it this way and that's it. But then when they do, man, I'm over there loving them up. Um, we're having a good time. I'm saying, hey, I see you and you're going to be good. Just wait. You know, you, you don't know it now, but in three years from now, you're going to be really good. Just watch. You keep working like that. And then that kind of it's just more um, support. I guess, and and bring keeping the fun in the game at a young age. It's they ain't winning state championships down there. You're getting them ready for years later to go ahead and win a champion, uh, state championship. Then, and the fun is always in the winning. When you're winning, it's easy to have fun. You know, you're confident. Um, you're not stressed out. You know, losing and you're always down, and there's always a problem. You always want to point the finger, but the fun's in the winning for sure. So you keep it fun at a lower age, and you just focus on teaching, and building, and teaching, and building, and being supportive, and showing what they're doing. You know, hey, you depended on that guy and he did that. Look over there at him. And then you build trust in that way. And then after that, man, it's easy once they get old. You know, they're doing the same thing that they've always done. So having your program structured like that is big. Coach Knotts, um, it's, it's incredible. If you ain't been up there and seen how it is on the lower level compared to the upper level, you know, our offense is more complicated, but they're doing the same thing they've always done. And so uh, I talked to Coach Hodge at Spartanburg. I know I'm rambling, but he's the same way. He's built that. He's building that Spartanburg program to do the exact same thing. And you see, Spartanburg's gonna be something to deal with now. They they got some dudes up there. He's a he's one of my favorite coaches in the state, 100. I love that dude when he was at Chapman. I, I um, when I was coaching at Clemson, I had to host him up there, and uh, he's saying, "Hey, look, I'm gonna have Spartanburg rolling here," and I believe him 100. That dude's got some dog in him. He's got a little bit of attitude to him. He's coaching them boys up the right way. And once he starts on that lower level, he knows that that's what he's missing up there. That's why he's only a couple of games behind is because he's having to work backwards. But once you get your guys up there and you got them varsity guys, it's easy. It's easy to coach them when they know what they're doing. So, Coach Dyer, what what's kind of your lower-level organization as far as tight ends? Do you have a lower-level tight end guy? Do you, how are you guys kind of structured? So, we are um... – we are everybody coaches everybody. So in our program, we like I'm like the main tight ends coach. But any sort of young guy that's getting on staff or somebody that's fresh out of college. So like uh, we had a player who played for us, then graduated, and then like came back when he was in college to help us out. He worked tight ends with me, and that helped him kind of just learn the offense a little bit. He was able to move on to a different position for us this year. Um, and before we've had another guy that was in transition. Um, that helped us out. He worked tight ends with us too. So we always have two tight end coaches. We have one right now. Um, he came to us from Woodland um, and he, he's, he's really good. Good young guy. His name's Andrew Cheriker and he, he'll be really good in the future, but having two sets of eyes there because we always run two or three tight ends. Like if we were a spread air raid team, we'd have two receivers coaches inside and outside. So our philosophy is we're running all these tight ends. Why, why not do the same thing? So, but the JV guys are always hearing, the same thing. And I forgot to answer your question in the earlier segment. On varsity, we always have four tight ends there. And then on JV, we want to get as many as possible. So this year we had three. So we had seven in the program. We don't have a B team. I know y'all in Charleston do seventh and eighth grade um, B team there at Dutch Fork as an A, B, C, D, E, F team. <laughs> a zillion of them. Um, but we, we don't. Our middle schools don't directly necessarily feed to one. It's always kind of divided between us, Bluffton, and <coughs> Um, so they're kind of divided everywhere. So those teams don't necessarily run exactly what we run. So 
Um, we don't have a chance to necessarily work with those seventh or eighth graders. Now we're in transition for a head coach. So maybe there's something changes this upcoming year. Um, but we'll see with that, but we want to make sure that those guys are hearing the same thing and we're coaching them on Thursdays as well, um, on what's going on. And the cool part too, is that our varsity guys, whether it's uh, a close game now, like we went and played JV at Cane Bay this year, like our varsity guys didn't travel for that, but like we're playing Bluffton on JV or we're playing Hilton head or Buford or any of those local teams, they'll come to the game and they'll be able to help out because they want to coach those guys up and make sure that they're doing what's correct because um, our thing that we tell them is that this program is going to outlive you. Each one of you players is going to graduate. As coaches, we are either going to retire, get fired, or find a new job. This, but yep. the program will outlive us. So what impact are you leaving on the program right now? And those guys want to leave the best impact that they can. So they're trying to help the younger guys. So on JV, we have four tight ends coaches. So when those guys come off, they're able, we're able to help with them. Um, another thing for developmentally is that in the summertime, we have – um, this big spreadsheet that we put on the locker room doors, we have a primary position and a secondary position. So if I am a primary outside linebacker and I play defense, that means I'm going to spend all my primary time doing linebackers. But when we have switch period and you go to your secondary period, now these linebackers are coming. If your secondary position's tight end, you're coming to me um, and we're going to teach you the basic stuff. So if something happens and there's a catastrophe before the game or something happens during the game and we need – our starting outside linebacker to be able to go in there in a three tight end set and be able to just go and arc block an outside backer. He at least has worked on it in the summer and at least once during the week. So he has an understanding and he's not lost because that puts the kid in a bad position and that's not going to put your team in a good position um, at all. So we do that. Um, and when we get a new coach um, that comes in, I want to make sure that I sit down with them. We go have dinner, we have drinks or whatever, and we go over stuff. And it's not one night. We're going to do it over various periods of time. So like uh, the guy that we had, Coach Sherker from Woodland, he would come to spring ball with us and he would, he stayed with me at my house. So we would go over stuff like what we were going to do the next day. And then we would go over it watching film from practice. We film every practice. I know Dutch Fork does the same thing um, that we are going to watch what we did so now we can get okay what do we need to improve on from today what are we looking at for tomorrow to make sure we're all on the same page but then most importantly using the same lingo using the same step terminology and everything so like coach barry uses a bucket step my term for it is a drop step well if coach barry and i are both working together and i say bucket and, the, and he says or I, you know i mean if we say something different then it's two different languages for the kids yep. and now they're not gonna be able to pick everything up and if that happens at the lower level then it's going to just trickle up into the varsity level and it's going to be no way. Um, so that's an important thing for our JV guys. And I will say that this has been really good too. So two things and before I, I ramble as well is that during COVID, we didn't know what was going to happen with who could be coaching, what, who could be doing what. So every coach made a position manual and we had this enormous binder that guys went out there with, with, it was like two coaches for every 10 guys or something like that, or two coaches for every 11 guys. I forget what it was. There's 13 people total. So we had these binders and we just spoke exactly what you needed to do at receiver, tight end, running back, everything exactly as the coach wrote it. So when we were able to come back that they knew what was going on. And we have used those manuals to help our new kids come in, um, getting ready for spring ball for coaches that come in for us. And I will say this about Coach Summers too, um, right? I hope he enjoys his retirement um, here, but he, we in Beaufort County, we have a head coach supplement, two coordinator supplements, and then 10 assistant coach supplements. 
So we have 12 assistant coach supplements total, and we have never filled it out not one time because he believes in not just having people on the staff. It's got to be people that work hard and want to win. So when we look at our staff, it's not everybody's not it's not a full staff, but everybody there is working hard and you are contributing or else you were going to get fired. And that itself has helped out with the younger guys in our entire program together is that you're there and you're working hard with what you have, no matter what position you're coaching, whatever you're doing. Yeah, I, I like all of what you're saying. Cause again, listen, I go back and listen to this stuff because a lot of what you guys are talking about right now, I'm going to go back and you know write down. It's hard for me to write them down right now, but I'm going to go back and listen because you know, like you said, I, I like the stuff. You know, trying to do everything the same way you do on the varsity from the ground up. You know, I think that's important. And uh, you know, it seems like you guys are both at a place where that's that's valued. And obviously. Coach Barry's at Dutch Fort where it's a little bit different than it is at May River, but you guys seem like you have a, a pretty good system at May River as well to try to get the most out of those kids. So, you know, I, I like what you guys are saying. Um, Coach Fields, we got – I feel like you wanted to add something, but I can ask the last question. We got one more question yeah, for you guys. No, I'll, I'll just so, – so, guys, uh, Coach Dyer, you can start first with this. Do you have any JV guys that end up on the defensive side of the ball for their primary? Do you ever have a guy that – you know, as a ninth grader, he's with you, and then he ends up starting on the defense? Oh, yeah. This this year, our JV tight ends, we had three of them, and all three of them, their primary position was defense. They all played inside backer, outside backer, and the other one played DN. So then when we went both ways, and we went both ways at those positions on JV, so when they came there, I never saw them. So I was just coaching them from the sideline. And another thing that I think is important, too, from the JV guys coming up is whatever block you have, whatever route you have, whatever assignment you might have, we come up with, we call them smoke signals, um, a smoke signal for it from the sideline. So for example, those JV guys, if they were presented with a situation where they didn't have a chance to practice it during the week, but I as a coach know what's going on, I can smoke signal into them what they need to do. So there's no thinking involved. So like, if we didn't spend a lot of time practicing against uh, a bare front or they go with an overloaded front and they just load every single gap to our tight end fullback side, I know what they need to do, but they might not necessarily remember it in this heat of battle. And I'll just call into them, give them a smoke signal. They know what they're doing now and now they can be successful. Um, because for us, what we tell, what I tell the tight ends is that 70% of what you do is, is mental is before the ball is snapped. And 30% is what you do after the ball is snapped. You can have great technique. You could go be blocking the absolute mess out of the outside linebacker. But if you're supposed to down a seven technique and you turn that guy free, that doesn't matter how well you block that outside backer. So knowing what's going on to be able to execute and have the kids be able to play at a fast pace, I think is incredibly important. Um, and that's where those smoke signals um, are able to come in. Coach Barry, what about you? Do, do you guys seventh grade up always a tight end or an A or what's the deal? Uh, at the lower level, sometimes you have a couple kids that are on varsity. Absolutely not. My tight ends aren't playing defense. Um, and those defensive ends aren't coming over on offense, especially the ones, man. I mean, coach ain't gonna let that happen. You know, we got enough guys where you, you better develop a guy and you better coach him up or it's going to be our fault. It ain't going to be the kid's fault, you know, so um, not on that level. But in, in on the lower levels, I will say that, hey, let's try him at defensive end. We'll have an offensive lineman that's really athletic. Um, we had a tackle, for example, he's so athletic and we put him at defensive end and he can chase the guy down and we'll put him at tackle, move him at guard and get him to pull. But as far as tight ends, it's just on that level, it's either tight end or defensive end, you know, and right now we're trying to build that toughness in him. And so um, if we don't, 
need to. We usually don't. But uh, if, like I said, there's one or two, I would say probably four that play both ways on the entire team. And other than that, just with the with the numbers, we try to find a place for, for them. And once it's a home, then they're usually there, unless it's, you know, summertime, camp, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I'll piggyback there. On the varsity, our guys don't change sides. On the, on the lower levels, we got to try them out wherever they can go best. Right, um, right. So, like, my, my varsity guys aren't, aren't doing anything like that. Like, we might throw in um, our best offensive lineman on goal line to go play, you know, A-gap to be able to stop, you know, somebody just trying to run QB sneak or wedge or whatever. But outside of that, um, everybody's just going one way for us. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So, uh, last question here for you guys uh, in the aired out segment. It's kind of a fun one. Be kind of short and sweet here, but we ask it. We've been asking it, you know, throughout the last couple episodes. Uh, coach Dyer, first, if you had a free year to coach any other position, all right, what would you what would you coach, and 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 why would you want to coach it? I don't want to coach defensive backs. Um, all, all four of them, uh, both corners, both safeties. I want to coach the defensive backs because that is a position. So I played offensive line in college. I was an O-lineman growing up, and that was a position that I never really had a chance to learn. Offensively, I bounced around everywhere, worked a little bit. I worked with the linebackers and the defensive ends. Um, my changeover switch position, um, when I have to help out is, is linebacker, so I learned that. I knew D-line, but the one thing I wish I knew more about was defensive backs. We have a great defensive backs coach, um, Coach Ashley Powell. Um, he's a PD guy. He's been around all over the state. I mean, I swear he knows every single coach at every single program. Um, but I, I just want to know more about defensive backs. I think that's incredibly important because that's the, I think that's kind of the glue to the defense is being able to play defensive backs, especially in our system here where our, our corner, our boundary corner is just an, another outside linebacker. If we have our actual, you know, boundary linebacker reducing, that's just another linebacker out there. Um, and being able to understand uh, you know, the top end of the coverages and stuff. So that's what I would coach, defense backs. Sweet. Coach Barry, what about you? Yeah, I, I wish I could I could say a different position, um, but I would say defensive backs too. Um, uh, studying the game, um, especially being an analyst, uh, you know, it wasn't until I got to college playing that you learned, you know, cover three, there's a cover three buzz, cover three weak, cover three strong, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you're like, oh, man, there's so many different ways. And then to beat it. And then so once you learn ways, OK, well, you know, cover three, you want to work the seams, you know, you want to work curl flat coming back inside, that kind of thing. And so coaching corners to, hey, the reason that they're lined up like this is because they're trying to do this. I just think it's just fun for an offensive coach to go over there and say, hey, you know, this is why they're doing this. This is the scheme. This this is why he's lined up at the top of the numbers versus the bottom of the numbers. And so you get to take that read step with your eyes and see if it's run or pass and you know, teaching run support. And it's just, I don't know, man, like you said, secondary, I think, I just think it's fun um, when you understand the game to, you know, on offense, we love to scheme you up, but on defense, it'd be cool to try to stop it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, it's so cool. It's so fun guys. <laughs> Coach Fields is like, no, it's not. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. You freaking tight end guys. I love uh, you guys. Yep. Yeah. All right, so we're, that's that's going to conclude the air it out segment. We'll come back with a quick overtime, and uh, we'll try to get you guys out of here again. You know, appreciate you guys joining us. We got one more segment left. All right, we are now back here. This is the overtime segment. Uh, we just had a, a great air it out segment with these guys again. Coach Barry, he's from Dutch Fork. 
and you got Coach Dyer, who coaches at May River High School. And we've got Coach – so I, I, I didn't let Coach Davis answer this last question. He's also on here too, you know. He's pulling baby duty right now, and he's in and out and stuff, but he's back on the podcast. So, Coach Davis, if you had a free year, obviously you're a head baseball coach right now at Timberland High School, um, getting ready to start practice next week. But if you had a free year to coach any position that you wanted, uh, what would that position be? Well, not, not a lot of our listeners know, but I did coach defense uh, for five years before switching to just full-time baseball. But if I could coach any position, and Coach Willis and I have talked about this, I am 100% going to coach wide receivers all day, every day, because y'all are answering DBs. I've coached DBs and Coach Bills, and I know it's much more fun to deliver the punts as a wide receiver than try to defend it as a DB. I mean, we're always trying to play – uh, block and, 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 you know, miss this jab and all that. So I would 100% want to coach wide receivers. Yeah. Now you're talking my game there, wide receivers. But I, I, that's why I like this tight end stuff because it, it's funny to me because I mean, obviously you guys know I've, I've been with Coach Jerry Brown the last two years in the flex bone. So went from a spread offense to the flex bone. I, I've actually, you know, I've enjoyed learning some things that's kind of helped me as far as technique with blocking it out at the wide receiver spot stuff like that and even learning some tight end stuff and like some of the things that you guys are talking about is going to help especially when you're talking about blocking at the receiver position as well too so you know it's again I, t- I try to take something from any anything I listen to or read or whatever and I kind of took some of that stuff from what you guys are talking about tonight so um but yeah so we, we're in the overtime segment uh, what we guys do or, or what we're going to do for you guys in overtime is open it up to you. If you guys have a question for us or for one another, that's you no. Know, this is kind of your time. We'll close it out here, and this will be the last segment. So, uh, Coach Barry, we'll let you go first. I'm gonna kind of open it up to you for overtime. All right, man. Um, my question for y'all is uh, with the game. Um, I know at the younger levels, there's a lot, um, a lot of running. You know, you don't have the arm talent at the younger levels to throw the ball as much and use the spread offense. So, the tight end and the fullback is used um, a lot more. Um, then you get rid of the fullback, you know, once you get to the JV level and you keep the tight end on the field and you do a lot of play action, a lot of rollouts, boots, that kind of thing. And then you get to varsity where some schools are four wide aired out. And now I'm thinking about college. They love to use the H back, a lot of RPO stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you have the NFL with the NFL, who are the best tight ends in the league? You think about Kittle, you think about Kelsey, you think about, um, uh, what's the guy, the Raiders, uh, uh, Waller, Waller, Dan yep. Waller, yeah, yeah. you know, all vertical guys, you know, Kelsey, he's a, he's a East West side to side and run away. And, and with, with you keeping those guys in mind and the, and the true tight end position. And then I want to say DK Metcalf for the Seahawks, right? So he's the size of a tight end, but he plays receiver. Do you think we'll ever get away from um, the true tight end position in the NFL with it being media aired out fireworks, when those guys are really just big receivers on that level, you know, what do you guys think about that? Coach Fields, Coach Fields is more of the NFL guys. I'm gonna let him start <laughs> answering that question. Um, I mean, they they say football is gonna go back, right? It's just gonna make a circle, right? So I I don't think right now it's gonna go anywhere because, I mean, and I don't like haven't been in the NFL, haven't coached in the NFL, but I feel like it's all role players, yeah. So. I feel like it's such a role player driven league and you got guys like Shanahan that just find the gadgets. I mean, if you look at their starting lineup offensively, everybody's a gadget, right? Everybody's a multi-use guy, but I feel like those big vertical guys who can just reach block and arc just enough, they can downstep when they need to 
and get a little bit nasty, I, I think that's the premier part of that position, right? Those guys who come in to be a six lineman in the NFL, they're not getting any fame, right? They're, they're not getting any shots at it. If they're on the line, then Kittle's probably in that, that H-back setting, right? I don't see that changing, not right now anyway. I mean, maybe if we go back to, like, Maryland, I, you know, but I don't see that happening right now. I just I just think that the tight end position, they've become so versatile now. Like, it's – I mean, I just look at Georgia. Those two dudes that they had at Georgia for tight end, like, they can do anything. Yeah, they what can, did Bowers play? I, wasn't he a running back in high school or something? Yeah. Some, yeah, I, I mean, but those, I heard something like that. Yeah. Those guys can split out wide. They can be in the box. They can play H bat. You can move them. I mean, they can get vertical. They can, I mean, they can be one on one with a corner. They can be one on one with a linebacker. It's and it's just, tricking high school coaches because they think guys that look like me can do it. You know, <laughs> on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, again, like we talked outside linebackers last last episode. I, to me, I feel like they're the versatile ones on the defensive side. I feel like the tight ends are the same way on the other side. But if you got those guys that are unicorns that can, that can do it all, I, that that's a game changer, and I, especially in the NFL. Like if you got that guy, like those guys you were just talking about, Coach, I, I feel like that's a game changer for any kind of offense. Uh, Coach Coach Dyer, what what you think? I think it'll be more of the same. It's either going to stay here or it's gonna it's gonna dissipate into being like flag football, like we're seeing in the Pro Bowl here. Um, but I think that having the tight end that's very athletic gives you the versatility of being able to go for wide and then being able to go into a more traditional 12 personal set um, without having to change people on and off the field. Right now you can use the tight end as a big slot <clears throat> who can attack outside backers, who can go seal and, you know, crack the box um, and be able to, you know, motion in from that position, get a full head start and go wham somebody or whatever. Um, so I think it'll be kind of be more of the same um, or it's going to disappear into a version of flag football. Yeah. Coach, I mean, Coach Bear, you asked the question, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. And so that's, um, that's what I'm actually afraid of just watching games on, on Sunday. And um, for example, the reason I started thinking about it is because I don't know. I mean, I know you guys watch football, but on Sunday night, the new quarterback sneak isn't the quarterback sneaking they were pitching it out wide they're getting tight and getting bunched up and they're bringing receivers inside and if they do hand it off inside those receivers aren't blocking corners they're going inside and trying to cover up a a, a linebacker or at least get in the way yeah they're coming and folding um, inside yeah, yeah they're folding inside and so you think about the mentality of these guys and they're trying to stay in the league as long as they can they're making a ton of money and they're saying look if i can just go get in the way of a guy and stay healthy then that's what i'm going to do well you get a lot of receivers and like coach said, which was really what it's getting to is, is turning into flag football and, and non-contact. They're throwing flags for everything. They're trying to protect you from concussions. Well, they're, those blocks aren't happening. They're more position blocks. Well, my receiver can go in position block and get in the way of a linebacker for mm -hmm. McCaffrey to zoom by him, you know? And so, so I'm afraid that the true tight end, as far as best of both worlds tight end, I'm, a, I'm, I'm scared that he's going to phase out for the bigger receiver to just, you know, move more to a slot and be able to do it all. And he's not going to have to go and crack anybody. You know, they're, they're, they're taking that away, blindside blocks, any, any kind of true contact. So unless we go to like it being a gladiator sport, I'm just, that's what I'm afraid of personally. And so I just wanted to get some insight from you guys. So that, that last guy that kind of did that was Gronk. And, right. he, and he got out. And I think because it takes such a toll on those guys, and then the defensive ends and the defense is evolving into 
longer, faster, quicker guys, and the arm talent of these quarterbacks. So they're again, like Coach Cyrus says, starting to turn into flag football because these guys can throw it eighty yards. Right. Yeah. And just get in the way. You know, the ball will be gone by the by the time he, you know, he sheds you. So just get in his way, he'll shed you, and by that time the ball's gone. So um, there's no true seven step drops anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you had the three, five, seven, and nine step drops, and they ain't doing that anymore, man. They're in the gun and they're letting it ride. So yeah, that's just thought on our position on the NFL. Um, no, I like I like the question, uh, Coach Dyer. Yeah. You got something for overtime? Like you want to ask Coach Barry something, or you know whatever you want to do. I got I got a couple questions here, and they're they're specific. So this is for Fields and Davis, the defensive guys. In your opinion, how does preparing for a tight end wing set compare to preparing for a tight end wing wing set, where you have both tight end tight end and then two wings on the same side? Wait, first before you answer that, Coach, I feel like you could you could probably like franchise like a, a restaurant. You know, we call it wing wing or something like that. Tight end wing yeah. wing or something like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> my dad joke for the, the day. The damn fairy boys talking about you can G-E's do that. Wing wings. Yeah, wing wings. All right. So um, it's a different surface, right? So if you give me tight end wing, I'm thinking the wing's going to leave. I mean, just in theory. So it all depends, too. To me, it's field and boundary, right? Um, even at the 1A level, people kind of got me with that 3-4 reduction stuff when I was at cross. They went FIB, uh, they went tight end wing, and just manned up on my corner because my corner was a force guy. Um, but as far as the those upper levels, I'm not too scared about tight end wing. I'm thinking maybe the tight end is staying on that side of the ball, and that H is pulling, the wing's pulling, he's going away, that's not a big deal. Um, when you go tight end and two H's, yeah. Holy, holy crap. I mean, you just changed the surface. Do I do I bring up an outside linebacker? Is it even going to go that way? If we overload that way, are they just going to pull away? I mean, you just start getting bodies. And that's honestly what y'all did to us. I mean, we, we played you guys, you know, and we played yeah. an even front the whole deal. We didn't adjust much. Um, you guys really got some angles on us going tight end, wing, wing. And – yeah, we're a spill team. You know, that's what we tried to get to. I, I came into Cane Bay this year, and we were more kind of a run-up field defensive end the previous year. So I was kind of trying to get in the squeeze game. And you kind of changed that, Coach. Your tight ends kind of taught my guys, like, well, when I squeeze, I've got to bring – I've got to drop my nuts. I've got to Cam Smith it. Um, that's something that you guys did because it wasn't just a tight end. It was tight end, wing, wing. I mean, it was – it, to me, when you add that second H back in there, now I'm having to guess. Uh, I mean, I could spill it and look all pretty, and we can gap exchange, but we literally don't have the bodies if you're running it that way, if we don't adjust, you know. But tight end wing, I, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, I think, and it's not 100%. I know Coach Barry and Coach Knotts and all them do a great job with this. A lot of times when I see a H back, I think we can get more of a tendency on that guy. I'd rather see an H or a wing by himself than an on-the-line tight end. The on-the-line tight end, less of a tendency. If you've got just a wing or an H by himself, I feel like a lot of times at inside linebacker, you can just read that H back, and it'll take you to the play, you know, unless somebody does a great job of breaking tendencies. But you start adding body after body after body. I mean, they can look like me at wing, but if you add enough of them, there's problems. 
well, yeah, you get into that numbers game, and that's what the offense wants to do. And you get two over there, and you've got if you've got a guy that that now you're talking about, you can use a guy to catch out of that too. You can fold a guy inside and send the other one out to, on an arrow out there. And I think adding that that extra body is, is always going to be a problem for a defense. The more bodies you, can yeah. Get what what do kids think, Coach Davis? When you got kids there, and you. You just start adding bodies closer to the ball. What do they think is going to happen, run or pass? They're going to no, think it's a doggone run, right? Absolutely, yeah. And then you play action or naked boot or you start doing and all that. Gotta, and it don't have to be vertical either. Right. It's just got to be out. And you can kill us in the flat there because we're all committing to, yep. to, like you said, dropping your nuts and getting down there and getting into contact. And if he just acts like he's going to block us and gets out there, we're, we're in trouble. The second wing pisses us off, Coach Dyer. That's essentially what what I'm getting at. Um, I hate it. Yeah, I, I think with uh, teams that are um, coached really well on gap responsibilities, you know, the reason that we do it and we motion a lot is to create that extra gap. So when you come out in a tight end wing, you know, you've created one gap, but now a wing wing, you've created essentially two more with the outside edge as well. And it's just hard when the kids taught um, D gap responsibility, you know what I'm saying? Or C gap responsibility. And then all of a sudden everything has to bump because the defense. Uh-oh. I believe we, I believe Coach Barry, I believe you froze up a little bit. And I'm working with a corner. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you froze up for a second. You're good. You're back now. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, but then, you, you know, you have a guy that's, supposed to be responsible for a gap two gaps down and now he's out seems to be freezing on him every time he gets to that one i don't know got, i'm sorry i think i'm freezing up i it was it's like you, as soon as you're back now it's just that same little second go ahead try it again one more time all right i'll start but um you get guys that are coached up really well that are gap responsibility um coached on gap responsibility and you add the wing Little, little technical difficulties there. We're going to see if we can give another go right here. This is the last little part of our overtime segment. Coach Barry, you're talking about when, when a defensive guy has to change his, – his gap responsibility bumps down. So, go ahead and kind of keep talking right. about that. And so, uh, our defensive coordinator, Coach Braswell, Scotty Braswell at Dutch Fort, he does a really good job uh, on teaching our guys gap responsibility and um, who's filling where, especially in the run game, filling in on the, on the box. And so, those defensive ends, making sure nothing gets outside – um, chasing the outside shoulders of those those tackles. Well, when a tight end's there, it changes his responsibility. You put a wing there, changes it again. You put another wing there, completely blows his mind, you know, because he's supposed to be two gaps down. So I think schematically it creates a nightmare for kids, you know, not having enough time to prepare for. And I think it's just a great advantage when you can get really good at how to use those two wings. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we uh, that's what we talk about at May River. Who's defending the F gap? Yeah, we use that very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Coach, uh, you said then, you had some more. Go ahead, Coach Dyer. You're up. Yeah. And then, Coach Wills, this is for you because you're an offensive guy. I know you're you were with Doc Brown doing the flex bone, and then before you've been spread. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to incorporate multiple tight ends into an offense that you want to run, you're the OC. You can do whatever you want. What do you predict to be the top two passing plays that you incorporate two tight ends in? Uh, well, so when I was in high school, I actually, so I played at Union High School, um, and you know, I, I the guy, the quarterbacks before me were all like six one, six two, and I know you guys can't see me standing. I'm only like five ten, maybe five eleven with my helmet on, 
Um, so my, my coaches had to kind of change the offense a little bit for me. So we did a lot of, you know, play action, boots, stuff like that. But we, ha- we had like a, a double set, which is what we called it, our two tight end set. And, and, I mean, I still like hitting the seams with those tight ends, but it, it's all predicated on how good the run game is going to be. Like if your run game is crap, then nobody's going to care about those tight ends and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously it's, it's running to throw it. But at the same time, I like, you know, hitting the seams, but I also like the boot and the, and the you know, uh, I guess you call it, boot and flood it like flood the boundary or, or you know flood the field obviously you got a tight end in the flat you got the backside tight end running like the climb route to the other side mm-hmm. and then you got your front side re- receiver he's running the deep concept so you know good play action stuff uh and then and then booting out the backside with a flat and then a middle and then a deep route that's that's kind of what I was good at in when I was in high school uh, I was pretty good at making the run game look exactly the same whether it's play action or I'm actually handing it off so you know we did a lot of that and we taught our tight ends, you know, you're going to chip. You're going to 1,000, 1,000, shove them down inside and get to the flat. Well, then the backside tight end, he's going to rip inside and he's going to climb over the top of those linebackers. And he's going, you know, he's going to be the middle guy in, in that flood concept to the field. But, you know, that's that's pretty much it. I like, I, like, I want to hit three levels. I want to have three options as far as that goes. And you can do that with tight ends, uh, two tight ends. Um, and then I also like being able to hit the seams if I, you know, if I can. If you got a run game, you're trying to run outside zone or something like that. And then you can make it look like outside zone, and then that tight end just rips outside, and he's down the seam. You know, again, like if if your run game's good, and you got those linebackers and safeties trying to come up to to play the run, I feel like you can definitely hit those uh, hit those seams with those tight ends as well. So that's just from my experience and, and some of the stuff that I've thought about. You know, if I were to have you know tight ends in offense, which to me and Coach Fields can attest, like I've been in the spread. And it was, you know, mainly because our, our head coach wanted to be in the spread and we just called the offense based off of his personnel that he wanted out there and things like that. I personally like having tight ends. I think they're a game changer. Like I was just saying, like if you got a guy that can come in, and again, those guys on defense don't know if he's in there for the run or for the pass. Like we can do either or. It's just a numbers game. Like I'm going to take the numbers that I got and, and, and those tight ends, if you, if you got the personnel that can do it, they're, they're definitely a weapon on offense. That's that's kind of my philosophy there. I hope that answered your question. I don't know if it did or not. <laughs> no, it did. Flood the field, all that, that that's pretty good. Um, and then, Coach Barry, you have coached tight end, played tight end. You're, you're a tight end wizard there. What would you say for anybody that was listening who's a young coach and is going to coach tight ends or is going to assist with tight ends, what is the number one thing that they need to do to get started off on the right foot? Great question. Create Create toughness. I think toughness. No, you can't play tight end if you're not if you can't if you're not tough because, you know, you're on an edge, you know, and 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 you think about guard and center. You know, they're down there and they got to fight and it's nasty down there. But there's somebody to either side, you know. So one player or the other, you got some help coming a little bit, you know, and and you could be on half a guy and somebody can help you chip. But with us, man, you're out there and nine, we'll we'll say eight times out of ten, man, it's one-on-one, you know, and so, and you're battling for leverage and you don't have help on the outside. So you create toughness first. If a guy isn't tough, it's just going to be hard for him to play the position. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's in the NFL savvy wins. That's kind of what I was getting to earlier. You know, you can, you could be that big athletic guy, basketball player, Jimmy Graham and throw it up high, let him catch it. But he ain't Shannon Sharp when it comes to being down in the trenches. So it's two different mentalities two different styles of game and in the high school level 
and college level, you know, where we still use the tight end a bunch, I would say without toughness, you can't, you can't play the position. You can't back block and no, you have to go across the entire line of scrimmage to a defensive end screaming, you know, right at you. And you got to throw a shoulder into him and stop him. You know, some people turn their head and the moment that one does that, I'm like, Hey, you can't do this because you're going to get somebody hurt, you know? And that's, that's kind of what I explained to him. So either you can, or you can't, and you demand it out of them. And sometimes kids that you don't think are tough will give it to you. And, um, and sometimes they don't have it. So I would say create toughness first. And then after that, just get really good at the little things, those steps and being able to play the position. And then you should be fine after that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Coach Dyer, you got anything else? Or Coach Barry, anything else for the overtime? I just Man, I just, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Coach. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, Coach uh, Dyer. I just got a quick, a quick plug. If you're coaching tight ends and your guys are going to be used a lot on special teams, ask whoever your special teams coordinator is or ask to help out on special teams. You're going to learn new skills doing that, and you're going to have a chance to coach your guys the same thing that they do on the field, just in a different sense there. You're going to coach other guys that could potentially one day maybe play tight end for you in a position change, um, but really coach those guys up um, and help out on special teams. Um, and then the last one, too, is if you can't – you want to go find and talk to somebody in a program that has tight ends and you can't find somebody or they're too far away and you can't find someone there, go talk to somebody that runs the single wing or the double wing because they're using tight ends or a version of a tight end in a different sense. That's a good point. For yeah, sure. Coach Barry. Anything last? Last little little thing here. Um, no, I just want to tell you guys, thank you, man. I appreciate what you guys are doing with the podcast, getting as much information out. Um, there's a lot of young coaches um, that I met just this year um, at Dutch Fort that are out there that are always seeking something. And you know, um, I'm a listener. No matter. I gotta go. Baby's coming. Sorry, guys. Hey, uh, congr yeah, congrats, congrats, Coach. Awesome. Oh yeah, there it is on the pod. There it is. We knew it was gonna happen, man. We were stretching it out. That's right. Awesome. Good. Now go ahead, coach. Keep going. But there's just there's there's so many young coaches in the state, and there's so much good football here in South Carolina, um, and so many good coaches, uh, so many good head coaches too. Um, not everywhere, but there are a lot of good coaches and a lot of coaches that are willing to learn. They just need the information, and it's hard to go to that Glazier Clinic in Charlotte or uh, Georgia or wherever have you. But there are so many good coaches. Um, in the state of South Carolina, what you guys are doing, finding all these good coaches, and we're just sharing information. So those young guys that want it, man, listen to the podcast, dude. And have you, I, I have my notes up. I know that they can do the same thing. Anything you guys say that I like, I ain't a wizard, but the moment you say something I like, I was typing it in. Yep. And that's something that I can put in, in my book, in my program manual, position manual, whatever, or just notes for me, you know, when I'm driving down the streets and and I'm like, man, let me listen to something new or what did so-and-so say about this? So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Anything I could do to help in the future. Anytime I could come back on and just talk ball, man, I love it. And um, let's just try to get those young coaches um, coached up and get that information out to them because they're only going to transfer it to the kids and we want to see this state be great on the football field. Absolutely, Coach. And, and you know, obviously it's, you know, what we're doing is is we're trying to get people like you guys on here to help other people. Obviously, Coach Fields and I can sit here and talk back and forth all day, but you know, I mean, sure. that's gonna that's gonna be old to people. So you know, we're trying to reach guys, and and we're thankful for, sure. for for you guys for for coming on here and taking out time. Again, it's a you know, the pod comes out on Thursday. Sometimes it's Wednesday nights we do it. You know, and it's an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours that you guys take out of your time just to try to help us out. And you know, right. I, we we just want to say thanks. We appreciate it, man. And you know, obviously, we're getting to know some guys too. And and like you said, like if 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 you're interested in coaching, 
if you you know reach out to people because I know for a right. fact and Coach Fields knows for a fact Coach Culberson they said hey come down here and watch ball with us come talk ball with us like it, go ask people like someone that's good in your state whether you're listening in Washington or Georgia or New Jersey it doesn't matter find someone that's good at what they do and just right. ask to go and learn from them and that, that, what the worst I can say is no like okay right. go on to the next person so uh, you know th- this is kind of our way of you know making it a little bit easier. Like obviously you can just click play and you can listen to some stuff. That's kind of what we're trying to do here. Um, but again, you know, reach out to people that are better at whatever it is you're trying to get good at. So, you know, I, again, just want, we didn't get to say thanks to coach Dyer, obviously just his kids yeah, on, the man, the on the way. I know. So that, that's awesome for him. But you know, coach Barry, thanks man again for joining us and sharing some knowledge with us. We really appreciate it, man. No problem, man. Thank you guys. Thank you for having Thank me. You, yeah. Thanks Steven. It's uh, it's good to have Coach Davis back on. By the way, before we close <laughs> it out, yeah. Coach Davis is here, not here in person, but he's here on on the podcast. Yeah. All right. So, um, again, we're closing out. This is our tight end H back episode. You know, hope you guys that are, that are listening took something from it. Um, you know, again, appreciate everybody that's joined. Appreciate everybody that's listened. The, the podcast has gotten a lot bigger here lately. It just keeps growing. We did our one K giveaway. Um. Congrats to the defensive guys. Uh, you know, those two guys that we, we we shouted them out on Twitter and, and you know, got some YCA stuff coming to them, you know, here soon. But, you know, we, we just want this thing to keep growing and, and you know, keep sharing it, uh, keep spreading the word, and, and reach out to us. Don't be scared to ask. You know, if we, if we can get you on here, we'll get you on here. We got a bunch of people that we want to get on here. But, you know, it's a process. You know, we're doing one a week right now. That's pretty much what we're limited to. So, you know, uh, again – Reach out to us. Send in questions for the two minute. Again, thanks to Coach Tatum. Also, Coach Tatum has something he's been working on 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 you know yeah. YouTube. He's been yeah. doing some series on on power and, and some different stuff. So go check him out. Uh, obviously, he's a big supporter of us. We want to support him too. So, uh, Coach Davis, any last little words before we go? I'm just happy to be here, fellas. It's it's getting to the grind here. Right, We're getting a little break for baseball season really kicks off next week. So you know. Just excited to be on tonight. Great stuff from Coach Barry and Coach Dyer. I enjoyed it. It's always fun to listen to the the perspective from from two different programs. You know, it can be just as tough with a bunch of kids as it is with not a lot of kids. You yep. still got to be creative and figuring out how to get it, things moving. And it's fun listening to to both perspectives. There, it was, it was fun tonight. Yep, Coach Fields. Anything before we go? Well, that's it, man. I mean, we had our first first. Uh... <laughs> labor delivery so do we get naming rights to that uh listen Bo. so we've got uh ethan coming on on his honeymoon literally on his honeymoon yeah, yeah the start of his honeymoon uh, we got coach dyer coming on having a kid literally in the hospital <laughs> so what's going to be next Bo? is somebody going to be in the er i don't yeah with half an arm like what's are we topping this or i don't know can yeah, we top that this year i mean we've just been in each other's garages so we're not really bringing the heat our guests though bringing the heat that's right i mean i feel like we should get some kind of naming rights for coach dyer's kid maybe the middle one <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So this was a great episode. Obviously, uh, we're in our positional. We're going to close out the tight end uh, episode. Obviously, we'll try to jump back to a defensive episode next week. Yep. Well, um, made me so mad. I was mad this whole time just thinking about tight ends and H-backs. Coach Fields is so mad right now. If you could see his face, he's just so mad. Yeah. Anyway, awesome episode. Uh, thanks again for listening if you're listening, and we will see you guys next time.